When Lisa was in elementary school, there was this guy named Kyle, and Lisa wrote about him in her diary. April 27th, 1982, Kyle is noticing me. I really love him. April 28th, 1982, Kyle is really noticing me. It's just like the fortune cookie said. (laughs) Friday, January 28th, 1983, I can't stand Kyle. (laughs) He used all his imagination in grade three. That's Lisa reading from her elementary school diary. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This, right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Carlton in Halifax, Nova Scotia, we have a very Canadian celebrity crush, a vision of Christmas 100 years in the future, a short-lived pet rabbit, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it is proof that, contrary to what Lisa said about Kyle, some of us did not use up all our imagination in grade three. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. When Krista was 15, she wrote a letter to her future self. Then she sealed it up in an envelope. And very recently, after forgetting about it for several decades, she rediscovered it. She has not unsealed the letter. And I believe she has a letter opener. And tonight... I don't know what to tell you because we don't know what's inside, but we're all going to find out. Please welcome Krista to the Grown Ups Three Things They Wrote As Kids stage. It says my name on it in cursive writing, Krista Keo, on the front. So we're going to see. Okay. <clears throat> I should say, I don't remember writing this letter. So I don't know quite what it says, but... Okay, Krista. This is a little letter to myself, so I won't forget the child I once was. Right now, I am 15. Almost 16. I'm a young, spunky party girl. (laughs) I go out at night to parties (laughs) and my curfew is midnight. I have drank before. Four times I got drunk. (laughs) 
I drank a half pint of vodka to get to I hate drinking. <laughs> because I have to lie to my mom. And I hate that too. She is very nice. My friends like her. I want to have sex with a person I love very much. <laughs> Not just for fun. I used to pretend to like guys and cheat on them and stuff. <laughs> Enough of that. I have many hopes for myself. I used to want a gentle, quiet, slow-paced life. Somewhere in the country with a nice house and children and a beautiful husband. Or maybe I want to live in a high hotel, apartment, no children, and sleep around. <laughs> with big hot shots all the time. <laughs> I don't know how I'd make the decision. <laughs> Maybe the country thing. But I like a lot of action. <laughs> I want to retire and go on a cruise, too. Before I do, I want to travel when I'm old with someone I love, a husband. Well, please don't forget how young and fun-loving I was. Never. I have a few little things I live by. Okay. <laughs> things like never do anything you wouldn't want anyone to know about. <laughs> That's a little corny. Well, I wish myself the best. And if I am a country girl... A garbage woman, a teacher, or just a housewife. I'll make sure I'm always happy. Love, Krista Keogh. In the letter, I did write about my hopes for myself. And... You know, I felt at that time that I had so many options, it seemed. I was unsure of myself, but also sure of myself that I would be happy. And that that really stuck with me. And it's actually informed a lot of the decisions that I've made since I read that letter. I, I've made more decisions, I think, to to be happy in my life so that I can stay true to that young person who I, who I once was. Do I recognize any of who I am today in that letter? Sure. I, <laughs> I'm still indecisive, I think, about um, how I want my life to be, but seeing what I had hoped for myself, I think I, I did 
a lot of different things, and um, and I'm proud of myself for that. You know, maybe I'll write another letter for myself to open uh, in another, uh, you know, 25 years. We'll see. Thanks so much. Often, the material we hear on stage was never intended to be read out loud. It was secret or private. But our next reader, Amy, brought some writing that was absolutely written with an audience in mind. Amy tells me that in 1988 and 1989, she was 11 years old and a self-described hotshot in the local 4-H public speaking scene. And Amy's mother fairly recently handed her the original drafts of the speeches that she delivered through the 4-H program, and we are going to hear one of them right now, written at 11 years old. This is entitled, Preteen Blues, The Trouble with Being 11. Please welcome Amy to our stage. A quick heads up, in her speech, Amy calls into question some of Santa Claus's magic, Live on stage in Halifax, here's Amy. Wanted. One understanding set of parents. Applicants must be liberal-minded, trusting, agreeable, preferably wealthy, and have a keen understanding of what most kids are going through. Good afternoon, honorable judges, fellow competitors, fellow 4-H'ers, and those of you lucky enough to be called our parents. My name is Amy, and today I feel it is my duty to speak to you about a very valuable but much maligned group of people, preteens. I'm sure many of you remember the good old days when you were kids. Well, my friends, with those thoughts, I'm afraid that time has dimmed your memory and you are sadly mistaken. For one brief moment, think about what it was really like to be young, especially a preteen. Well, let me tell you, I'm 11, and every bit of it is fresh in my mind. This is one experience I'll always remember and never want to repeat. If one were to do a tabulation of the pluses and minuses of being a preteen, one would have a very difficult time. On the plus side, we have... uh, Mmm, we have, hmm, and on the minus side, we have being too old to sit on daddy's lap, but too young to sit on anyone else's. (laughs) Being allowed to wear as much of mom's makeup as you want but not being allowed out of the bathroom with it on. (laughs) Looking in the mirror and seeing a pudgy preteen while listening to your mom scoff and go, oh, it's only baby fat. (laughs) And probably worst of all is knowing that everyone else's parents lets them do exactly what your parents say you are not allowed to do. Sometimes I feel like screaming, I am a person too. I have feelings. Does anyone ask me if I want broccoli for supper? No. Does anyone care? No. 
if I had things my way, pizza would be on the menu every night. When you're a little kid, you think being a preteen is going to be great. When you're an adult, you think that being a preteen was great. But when you are a preteen, it's the pits. During my experience with being a preteen, I have found life very confusing. For instance, the question of, is there really a Santa Claus, has been wandering around in my mind for months. Logic tells me the idea is ridiculous. My parents say, well, what do you think? But what if I go with logic and I'm wrong? That will leave me out in the cold. And if I'm right, my parents will be very disappointed. As I said, it's confusing. Probably one of the biggest problems with being a preteen is dealing with other kids who are also preteens. As I've said before, other 11-year-olds are allowed to do things that I am not. And to tell the truth, I really don't like Poison, Motley Crue, or Michael Jackson. But I don't want everyone to think I'm a geek, so I pretend. It is very tough. In closing, I'd like to say, is there a preteen in your life? If so, a word of advice you can pass along to them. It is always darkest before the dawn. My time of the preteen blues is coming to an end. Soon, I'll be a teenager. Thank you. Fun fact, Amy is now the mother of a preteen of her own. When Caden was 12, he wrote a code of conduct for girls. And there's some important context here. You'll notice that I'm not a girl. (laughs) So um, I was born and raised as a girl. I'm actually transgender. And at this point in my life, I didn't know that about myself. So here's a, a code of conduct I wrote for girls. There's 15. One, be true to yourself and others. Two, never go out with your best friend's ex boyfriend. <laughs> Three, never ever wear the same top more than once in a week unless you have to. <laughs> Four, it's actually okay to be friends with a boy. Five, not all boys are dorks. Six, Your parents were once teenagers, too, and that's really important to remember. (laughs) Seven, being a girl means spending quality time with yourself. (laughs) Eight, don't be mad at your friend just because they got mad at you first. Nine, don't ever stuff your bra. (laughs) Ten, Never write a letter to your crush telling him that you like him if you don't actually know him. (laughs) But guilty of that one. Uh, 11, don't spread rumors. 12, never eat spinach on a date or garlic. (laughs) 13, keep your friends close but your enemies closer. (laughs) 14, Don't get upset about a zit. It will leave after a while. (laughs) 
and 15. Don't spy on people because it's rude. Unless they spy on you first, then it's okay. Thank you. After the show, Caden called in to reflect on his code of conduct. I think that I wrote it more for myself than I did for other girls. So I was really writing it to tell myself how better to fit in, you know, in middle school with, um, with my peers and be the girl and put on this facade that society expects of me. And I wanted to share this piece because it's always stuck with me. I've always kept it over the years. And I think it's really reflective of who I used to be, and I really wanted to be able to share that. And if I could go back and talk to my 12-year-old self, I would say, you really have to keep going. I know that life is really hard for you right now, and, and it sucks, I know, but it's important to keep going because when you get older, you will be able to look in the mirror and see the man that you've always wanted to be and you will have an amazing life with a partner who you love and a home together and you'll be so happy and you won't want to trade it for the world you will really be that person you've always wanted to be and your experiences um, and the hardships that you go through will help you be a more compassionate and loving person in the future so keep holding on I love you, and you can do this, and it'll all work out in the end. Jeans. They're an American staple. No article of clothing is more closely linked to our nation's history. Today, denim's a $90 billion industry, but that success didn't come easy. I'm David Brown, the host of Wondery Show Business Wars. We go deep into some of the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in our latest series, we're unzipping how Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler managed to take workman's wear from the frontier to the runway and closets around the world. Join us for Denim Wars. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. I have heard a lot of Teenage Diaries over the years, and I can tell you very confidently that crushes are a popular subject. Our next reader, Karen, brought the diary she kept at 13, and she shared a number of entries from a crush-filled time in her life, a period where she was, in her own words, boy crazy. Please welcome Karen to our stage. December 27th, 1973. I got new boots and a new coat today. I called Mom an old bag, and she sent me to my room. It's five after eight, and Kung Fu's on at nine o'clock. Hope I don't have to miss it. So long. January 1st, 1974. I haven't made a New Year's resolution yet. Sorry, I made one now to be like David Carradine on Kung Fu. Happy New Year. January 2nd, K 
Kathy came down today and we played with her Ouija board. It said, I'll be married when I'm 19 and meet my husband at 18. His name will be Kevin D. Kathy is supposed to marry his twin, Jerry. It says, I'll be on TV when I'm 18. I hope so. January 6th, Aubrey, that's my brother, says I'm a creep. Am I? I don't know. I wish I knew why no boys take a liking to me. I kind of like Arif, but if Kat knew, I'd have no more friends, real true friends, so I won't tell her, but she'll find out sometime. January 18th, Murray, my sister's boyfriend, told me he knows a boy who's got a crush on me. I think I like Arif, but I like Jamie, Murray's brother, also. I really don't know who I like. I'm mailing the letter to David Carradine tomorrow. (laughs) January 21st. I went figure skating and did fairly good. I still don't know who I like more, Arif or Jamie. Oh, who cares? Let them choose me, not vice versa. (laughs) Then in pencil I wrote, I kind of like Jamie more. (laughs) March 29th, I bought the DeFranco family record. (laughs) Canada's answer to the Osmond brothers. But it skips, so I have to take it back and get a new one. I love Tony and the others. I don't know if I like Tony DeFranco more or Ranamis Para. They're both so sweet, but Tony's Canadian. How I wish the boys would like me. Sometimes I almost cry and wish I was dead. I like Terry, Arif, and Jamie, but Terry is too fast and can't keep his hands to himself. Arif is Pakistani. This doesn't matter to me, but it does to my father, because he's old-fashioned and not used to the idea. Well, Jamie doesn't seem to take an interest in me, so that makes them all off the list. Who I really like is Tony DeFranco and Radamis Para. If I could ever meet one of them and go on a date, I would be in seventh heaven. There was a contest in Tiger Beat magazine this month. But up here in Canada, we get the books so late, it's too late to enter. could have won a trip to meet the DeFrancos? <laughs> April 11th. Arif was nice to me today, but he didn't turn me on as much as he used to. <laughs> April 13th. All I can ever think about is the DeFrancos. Everything I do, I think about them. I love Tony so much, but there are so many others who like him, so there's no way I could meet or go out with him. You're out of luck, Karen. June 14th, I found out Arif thinks I'm a goody-goody, and I'm not invited to the going-away party they're having for him. June 18th, you know, it bugs me about Arif. I really like him, and now he's moving. No matter what he does or says to me, I'll always like him, because I have no one else to like. (laughs) June 27th, 
We had a going away party for Arif and Juanita. I could have cried. Arif's leaving July 15th, and he's going to give me his address. But I like Tony DeFranco. <laughs> but, but he's not real like Arif. I really like Arif, and I can't say love yet because I'm not sure. November 11th. You know, I really think it's crazy that kids my age, all they ever think about is having a girlfriend or boyfriend. It seems their main objective in life. I foolishly enough go right with the system. But I don't have luck like other people do. I'm really getting sick of feeling sorry for myself. But it seems the only thing to do. I want to change, but I'm not sure what to do. Sometimes I would like to be real swift and be in the gang. And sometimes I think I'd like to be sweet and shy. But all I know is that I have to wait and see what time brings. There will be a lot of exploring to do to find a person, guy, I want to live with or find that I'd rather be alone. I can't foresee the future, but I can see that if I didn't have bad turns in my life, nothing would seem really happy. When Lily was in grade eight, she got an assignment in English class. The assignment was to write a letter, but not just any type of letter. You see, Lily wrote a kind of holiday-themed speculative fiction letter all about what Christmas will be like 100 years in the future. (laughs) Please welcome Lily to our stage. December 27, 2111. Dear Alec, how is your Christmas staying on the moon? I haven't been to the moon since my 11th birthday. I wish I could have gone to the moon for Christmas. All I did was go to my grandparents' farm in Iceland. I guess for our ancestors 100 years ago, traveling to Iceland for Christmas would have seemed like a big voyage, but not for me. I go to Iceland to see my grandparents every other weekend. My parents gave me the most wonderful gift. They gave me a transporter 0122. Now, I don't even have to wait until I'm 16 and can drive a spacecraft. I also got another amazing present, and it was from my Aunt Jennifer. She gave me a fold-away barn and riding arena that I can keep my five wonderful horses, including my favorite horse, Alamar, in. No more traveling in our horrible family spacecraft with my mother to lower-level ground on the land of the Earth. I can just do it up here in the open air. Perfect for me, since my dream is to go to the Olympics on Venus when I am 16. (laughs) On Christmas Eve, I went to my star named Orion's Belt Loop, just south of Jupiter. You know how I have a little brother named Edwin, and he has his pet gargoyle? Yes, gargoyles can now function as human beings. Well, they did everything within their power to drive me extremely crazy. They also kept trying to make me pull my own hair out. I'm assuming you would be curious to know as how they were causing me to pull my own hair out. Well... If you really must know, they were shooting me with atomic fart blasts. Each time they shot it, the fart blasted my hands upwards into my hair, which then tangled in it. As you can probably tell, it was extremely difficult to remove my hands from my hair. Both my mother's and also our maid, who's a pegasus from planet Saturn, had to assist me in removing my hands from my hair. It was quite disastrous. You would think that my brother would undoubtedly get in trouble, but no. 
Edwin didn't get in any trouble whatsoever. He has a device that will change my parents' minds just like that from pressing a big red button. <laughs> he even got his transporter for his sixth birthday. If anyone thinks I am spoiled, I don't even want to know what they think about Edwin. I am five whole years older than him, and I didn't get my transporter until now. I know I do have five horses, a fold-away barn, a Huber Space Travel 950 jetpack, a transporter, and an Apple MacBook with a full-length webcam, and high technical powers that I could shut the whole city down with. Still, Edwin is definitely more spoiled than I am. Nowadays, the majority of the population is quite rich due to our installations on Jupiter that cause the economy to be quite good, so there are barely any unemployed people. The reason that there are so many jobs available on Jupiter is that they found an addictive substance that you can inhale that will make you feel full without eating. <laughs> I hope that I have not bored you out of your mind incredibly by my long letter. I will be seeing you soon, I hope. Have fun on your trip to next Neptune next month. Love, Lily. <laughs> One of the things I love about kid writing is how, over time, it can really show a progression. It can illustrate how we grow and change as we age. Our next reader, Carolyn, brought a number of different diary entries to our Halifax show, and these were written from age 9 to 13. Please welcome Carolyn to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote as Kids stage. June 10th, 1995. Dear Diary, last Wednesday, my friends and I found a bunny. We named him Nibbles. Then yesterday, Friday, Julian and Pat slept at Tim and Tom's house. His mom said, don't bother feeding Nibbles tonight. And the next morning, Nibbles was dead. <laughs> Wednesday, June 7th, 1995, we found Nibbles. Friday, June 9th, 1995, the last day I saw him. Saturday, June 10th, 1995. He died. Every June 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, the wind will whisper the name Nibbles as I put flowers on his graves and say, goodbye, Nibbles. I miss you. July 3rd, 1997. Hey, what's up, diary? Not a lot, because you're just a book. But anyway, this is my sixth day of hell. Or as you know it, menstruation. Why do I call it hell? Because I have back pains, I have stomach problems, I have cramps, it's hot and sticky, and I can't go swimming because mom won't let me use a tampon. And I feel very moody and grumpy and cranky and tired, etc. Well, that's all I have to say for now. Bye. August 30th, 1997. Dear Diary, I'll be quick. Princess Diana died in a car today, being chased by photograph for photographers. I slept over at Megan's, and I went shopping. The teddy bear that I got for my birthday, or dog, is now named Watson. Well, sorry for being quick. Bye. Handsome rules. <laughs> July 
October 12th, 1997. Dear Diary, you know what I just realized? I should be getting a new diary soon. Real soon at that. It took me, let's see, I got this when I was nine, and now I'm 13. That's four years. Wow, I can do math. <laughs> But I must say, this diary is sort of pathetic in the beginning. It gets kind of interesting in the middle, then gets confusing at the end. Wow, this is pretty neat, actually, finishing a diary. I mean, I've done some pretty cool things. Like, I had a bunny for three days, then it died. <laughs> That's, that's not a good example. <laughs> well, did I tell you that I French-kissed a guy at the age 11 in grade six? With Andrew Lambert. Yuck. I will not be doing that again. I guess this comes in second coolest thing that I've ever done after finishing the 100 bottles of beer on the wall song. <laughs> I have many accomplishments. Or maybe it's a tiebreaker, because four years is a long time. I bet you someday I'll read this again and laugh at almost every sentence. I laugh a lot. <laughs> Before I finish this, I think I'll try to say something from the heart. No, I've got nothing. <laughs> P.S. It's 101 and I'm hyper. Sort of. Thank you. Carolyn, everybody, that was the last page of that diary, but I am told there are 13 more volumes after that, so come to the next show. That has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Huge round of applause for everybody who read tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you to Patrick for doing sound tonight. Thank you to everybody here at the Carlton, especially John. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around, say hello, get home safe, then dig up your own kid writing. We'll see you soon, Halifax. Bye. sit on daddy's lap, but too young to sit on anyone else's. <laughs> <laughs>